20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome into the Thursday edition, the game day edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. This is two weeks in a row that we are talking game day. I'm Steve Peretz, joined always by Dusty Evely, Sarah Kelleher. You guys excited? Some more preseason football? Yes, sir. Yes, ready to go. Well, I actually felt the enthusiasm from Dusty. Sarah's not really bringing it in today, but... <laughs> You're being nice to Dusty already. Uh, we're going to try to set it off on a different foot today. You know, we normally just yell at each other and tell each other we're stupid, and I'm sure that will happen. I absolutely believe that will happen. But, well, you know, we always start on a positive note. That's what I try it's, to uh, do. It's, it's the old, uh, was it the old, it's the okie doke. We set people up, like, oh, they're going to be nice. And then, no, they, spoiler alert, they are not. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm going to pull the football away, and you're going to try to make a field goal, and it's just going to, it'll work out well. I like it. <laughs> so we got uh, a decent amount to talk about tonight. Uh, we've got some housekeeping for the Packers. They had claimed cornerback Derek Jones, who has now reverted back to waivers after a failed physical. So that should put them at 89, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, I, I, unless I, I didn't see a corresponding roster move, so. Okay, so that should uh, at least somebody open. And I mean, the way they've been tinkering and adding and dropping and stuff, I mean, I'm assuming there'll be a new move within a day or two of, well, I'm guessing a fullback or uh, <laughs> something along those lines. To, uh, <laughs> fullback to sounds the, about right, yeah. Yeah, we can get in there with like three or four for the year. Three fullbacks, <laughs> four running backs. <laughs> The floor likes to run the ball. I say it's a good move. Yeah. Also, uh, also noteworthy is talking a little bit about Oren Burks and how apparently with a torn peck, he is not going to be having surgery. Hopefully, will not uh, sideline him for the year. And right now, it's said that he's day to day, but there's no time frame given at this point. Like how how freaking crazy is that? That he is a he's going to play through a torn peck, not have surgery, and is right now considered day to day. The funny thing is the way they were talking, it seemed like he might be back like next week or something. And so I was like, well, did I miss a report that it was misdiagnosed or misreported that it wasn't? No, it was, it's actual torn pectoral. So like that's – it's insane to me the way they were talking. Like the fact that he may be back this season at all. And I think some reports were like sooner rather than later. He should just be in bed, man. Just be in bed for a while. You know? Don't don't think about football. Yeah. I feel like if that's a very painful injury, and then it's something that's like often like you're constantly using that muscle when you're playing football. So it's just something I feel like it needs to heal all the way before he comes back, but that it still could be very sensitive when he does come back. So it's really interesting to me that there's like no timetable of when he's going to come back and that it's day to day because it's such a strange injury, but one that could really impact his day to day, I think. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we, we thought there was going to be a big hole inside linebacker. It looks like, well, doesn't look like. We'll, we'll see. I mean, this is just going to be, I think, a fascinating storyline to watch just because he's, it's, it's, it's a torn peck. Like, that's <laughs> – Jesus, how do you play through that? Like, that's a bad, bad dude that can play through a torn peck muscle. Well, and yeah. at that position as well where you got to, yeah. you know, like tackle. Like, it's not like, like Exactly. Like, you're using job. that muscle group constantly. Wrapping guys up. And mm-hmm. Well, you could see how he did it. I've watched that game, like, three times now. Like, he went to do an arm tackle, and the guy kind of ran through his arm and, like, kind of bent his... Like, you could see the moment. You could see exactly what happened. Like, it, it, it yeah. didn't look great. And you're also, again, it's not like cornerback where it's like, oh, well, 
maybe you can avoid a lot of contact. You can still kind of play, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit. No, this is like your job is to be close to the line. And if you're not tackling, like take on blockers or try to shed blocks, like it's it's a position that I don't know how you play unless you're 100 uh, percent in that regard. So I. I don't know, man. Uh, kudos to him. I, I at this point, <laughs> I mean, I'd be shocked if we saw him this year. But the way they're talking, I guess maybe I shouldn't be. No, I think. I mean, honestly, it sounds like they're they're planning on getting him there at some point. So I've, I mean, I have to study up on the new IR rules again as to who can be on what list, and you know, that all needs. To, I think that all needs to be revamped anyway. But um, to see what kind of IR list here, if he ends up on a pup, that kind of stuff to start the season. So it'll be a good storyline to follow for a little bit, but hopefully we'll get him back sooner rather than later. Well, I think IR is just IR, right? Do you have to designate him to return? I think now it's like IR is the same, but you can get two guys back before the end of the year. See, this is why I like, I need to study up on it. Like it's, yeah, it's just a, so it's like an archaic almost way of thinking of, Oh, you're injured. You're like, you can either try to stash them or put them on IR for the rest of the year. You're an archaic way of thinking. There it is. Bam. Uh, that was Roasted, that was Steve. No, no offense. That was, that was some pretty weak sauce there, but wasn't great. I'm not. I, no. I'm, I'm tired, Steve. I, say, I wouldn't be proud of that one. I would not. I'm not. I am not. Sarah didn't even like remotely give a chuckle. She just no. Was... No, nah, she was thinking about something else that was funnier than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, there you go. See, that's what I would have expected on a decent joke. But no. You that was nothing. a pretty good comeback, though. What did you say? That was some weak sauce, bro. Is that what yeah. you... <laughs> mm-hmm. That was some weak sauce, bro. See, but I don't have a backwards hat on, so I'm not calling you. So I'm not a, so I'm not a pro, according to uh, Dusty. All right, so Lafleur was on, a, on the Pardon My Take podcast earlier this week. You guys had a chance to listen to some of it. I did not, so why don't you kind of give your your takeaways from what, what went down? Yeah, so I think Dusty and I were talking about a little before we came on that it was he was pretty bland for most of it, but he had moments where it was kind of refreshing to see him have fun a little and joke around. Um, it, it started off pretty funny because Big Cat, one of the Barstool guys that was interviewing him, is a huge Bears fan. He had a Bears hat on and everything and so uh (laughs) i can't speak um i can't speak why can't i speak right now (laughs) anyways um he made a comment at him like oh you like my hat and he was like it's i'm not a big fan of it or something like that and so (laughs) it was really funny just to kind of start it off and it kind of set the tone for the podcast and i think dusty and i were saying we thought it was going to be a little funnier but then he just kind of went like generic coach route and was pretty standard with everything that he said um he talked a lot about um some of his old coaching experiences and he even talked about um he addressed some of the Aaron Rodgers and his their bad communication and all of that and he said him and Aaron are getting along really well and that he likes coaching him so there was a lot of positives to take away from it but overall he was kind of just what you would expect. I think he was playing it safe. Didn't want to say anything too crazy before the season started. And since he just became the head coach. So it was interesting. I don't know what you thought of it, Dusty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, about the same. I mean, I, yeah, I don't think, um, I think you kind of nailed it. Like he, he wasn't, I don't know if he was being cautious or that was just him, but I, there was, there was times where it seemed like they were not necessarily baiting him to say something bad, but trying to get him to like react or say something funny. Um, and he just never did. I mean, to say, like, kind of generic coach speak is exactly right. He had uh, – he legitimately said a couple times, like, 
uh, we're just taking it one game, game at a time. We're like, dude, like we've we've heard that, like we know that. But the, he did have some moments. The Bears hat thing I thoroughly enjoyed. I really, really liked. Uh, they, they asked him to give a prediction for the season, and he was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Uh, and then a, as he's in the middle of his very generic, we're taking it one game at a time, uh, I can't remember which guy it was, said uh, 10 and 6. And LaFleur just pulled up halfway through a statement and goes, 10 and 6, come on, man. Like, so that, that he's just very easily, very quickly balking at 10 and 6, which I which I thoroughly enjoyed, uh, which uh, I'm sure Florio will say, well, yeah, because they're going 6 and 10. That's why, he, that's why he's soft. But, uh, he knows that their relationship is so bad and that they're never going to get along, that yeah. 10 and 6 is never possible. That was the key of that conversation right there. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I thought I thought he came across yeah, a little, little boring, but overall pretty good. Um, he did – he talked about some of his past coaching spots, like you mentioned, Sarah. I, I thought – I wish he would have dug in deeper, and that's not the kind of podcast it is. But uh, he got into a little. They asked him um, basically the role from when he was with Atlanta, I think Atlanta, and I guess Washington, the role of a uh, of a of a quarterback coach in kind of game day planning. And I thought like he he was got really interesting and started talking about uh, kind of the differences between RG three and Cousins in that in the Washington season and about how it wasn't as hard to pivot from one to the other, even though the styles were different. Uh, I thought it was really interesting him kind of giving a little bit of insight as to kind of what that process looks like, what his input is. And, and I think kind of gives a little bit as well. He said it's, it's every, I don't know if it's every system, every system he's worked in has kind of worked that way. So it kind of gives a little look into kind of what the relationship between uh, him, Hackett and Getsu is going to be as terms of like planning for game day. So I, that stuff I thought was super, super interesting, but yeah, overall, Overall, I thought it came across well. It came across smart and maybe a little tired. I don't know. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, I did. I I caught like very snippets of little things. I didn't really pull a whole lot from it. I mean, I heard the whole like comment about how he doesn't go shopping because his wife does, and then he kind of pulled back from that a little bit. And uh, so, I mean, I found some humor, but I mean, I think that's kind of not not McCarthy of boring by design. But he's not going to be giving away anything. I mean. Well, I wouldn't expect anything like that. Well, McCarthy by the end was, um, I guess, by the no, end, the last couple years, boring. he wasn't boring by design. He was, he was like, yeah, he was like actively aggressive. So hearing a coach that just like he may have like Lafleur may have come across a little boring, but he also came across as just kind of, oh, just kind of chill, just kind of taking everything in stride. Yeah. Like he just kind of had his thing. He wasn't, he wasn't balking at anything. He wasn't like you know, aggressively answering anything. Like I thought, based on McCarthy press conferences. LaFleur has just been totally different from that podcast and press conferences, which has been very a very interesting dynamic, I think. Exactly. I listened to it with my dad because I'm visiting um, home right now. And the first thing he said when we finished listening to it was that was a refreshing change from kind of the typical Mike McCarthy stuff that we got in the past. I mean, I don't think Mike McCarthy ever would have even gotten on a podcast like that. So just the fact that he's kind of changing the ways and being a little more, I don't want to say hip, but... I think he's just keeping up with things more than McCarthy did. And he's bringing a new sense of style and something fresh to the team that I think is good. So it was kind of cool to hear a different perspective and a different kind of culture that seems to be forming there. Yeah, for sure. Do you think that Mike McCarthy knew what a podcast was or is? (laughs) Since he hasn't been on one since he's been gone, I don't think he does, no. I think he listens to this podcast and this podcast only. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. I can definitely buy that. So uh, we are now officially on game day. It is Packers Ravens. They are at M&T Bank Stadium. 
And for all you gambling fanatics, the Baltimore Ravens are favored by four points. <laughs> Don't get it. Still, still yeah. blows my mind that Don't they're giving points spreads for, for preseason games. Like, why? <laughs> How how can you tell what, what the spread is for a preseason game yeah, when you don't even know not, who the hell is going to play? Please don't bet on this game. Like you're going to lose money. You're going to be upset because like some fifth stringer is uh, like fumbled in the fourth quarter, and then you've got no one to blame but yourself. So exactly, I know a lot of people bet on sports on football specifically, but if you're seriously putting down big money on preseason football, reevaluate what you're doing because this is unreal. Have, we don't even know skin in the game. We don't even know who's going to be playing. We don't know what they're going to be doing. It's just insane. I, I've never understood it. But there you go, minus four for the Ravens. Uh, for all, all of you that are interested, even though you shouldn't be interested, throw down five, ten bucks. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I, I, you have a little fun with it. So we want to talk. It looks like the. The starters, at least on the offensive side of the ball, are going to be going for roughly a quarter. So we'll actually get to see some Aaron Rodgers, some of the new look offense, see some of that in action finally. But again, they will be going uh, very chocolate and not putting out a lot of plays. How dare you, Steve? <laughs> How you see what I did dare there? you? I did, there? I did uh, and I didn't care for it. And none of our listener, none of our listeners cared for it either, Steve. Just get <laughs> it out of was here. wrong and incorrect, but. Mm-hmm. It was a good joke. I'll give it to you. Oh, I kind of wanted to just keep going and not and see if you even notice it. But so they will be going very very basic offense, most likely very basic defense, that kind of stuff. But we should be seeing some starters. So just like last week, I think we're going to go around the table and talk about the the one big thing that you guys want are looking for or want to see out of this game. So uh, Sarah, we'll start with you. Yeah, so it's super basic, but I just want to see anything that's going on in the offense. There's been talks that it's been out of sync and that it hasn't been working here and there. But then there's been days where, you know, people that were at training camp are like, the offense looks really great. Rodgers was on fire. He was so on point today. So I'm just very curious to see what the offense looks like. Last week, it was really hard to kind of get a gauge of what kind of plays are going to be running and who's going to be making an impact consistently because the starters and typical guys that are going to be in there we're, we're obviously not playing. So starters are apparently supposed to get a quarter tomorrow. So I'm just very curious to see what's going on. What are some things? I mean, we're going to probably, we're not going to see everything, but at least get a good sneak peek of what's going on here. And for all of us that haven't been at training camp that haven't been able to see some of it, it's really exciting for us, I think, to get the opportunity to see that. And I'm really going to be taking notes of what we do see, and especially with Rogers and how he's kind of, is he getting the ball out quicker, kind of like we talked about, or is there going to be different styles of play and with the fullbacks, and how are we are we going to utilize them at all? So I'm just very curious to see how the offense plays out tomorrow or today, I guess. <laughs> Dusty, yeah, uh, kind of piggybacking off that a little bit. I mean, the offense is a, obviously a big thing I'll be watching as well. Uh, I'm very, very curious. I am, I think, one of the last remaining members of the Jamon Moore hype train. I mean, yeah, the you've, dude... had some, you've had some interesting uh, wide receiver takes lately, Dusty. Yeah, uh, apparently I'm just trying to burn everything to the ground this this off season. I don't have a whole lot of time left before the real games start, you know. So I'm just I'm working those angles while I can. Uh, so you're, you're a Jamon Moore fan, the guy who can't who can barely catch the ball, right? But... Which is which is what I was going to talk about. If if you would just if you would keep your mouth shut, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so this is. <laughs> Yes. Yes, I am. Um, so this is... My mother's very nice, Steve. Uh, the, <laughs> what, 
what I wanted to bring up is, I mean, I brought this up, and the, the people say J. Moore is bad, and he's not shown up well so far. But like one portion of his game is not shown up well, which I'll admit is a big one, and that's catching the ball. But his footwork is very good. He's got great speed. And he knows how to get open. The reason that he draws so many balls is because he gets open. Now, I don't think this is like a. It's not like an either or thing. Like I don't think he's. This guy's a bad receiver because he can't do this. Like the guy, it's not. It's not all black and white. I think there's gray area. He does a lot of things very, very well. He's just having a hard time catching the ball, which, again, admittedly is bad, but all of his other tools are there. And um, you can learn to catch the ball. You can't teach speed. Uh, it's tough to teach footwork like that. You can you can teach people how to catch the ball. So, And I think a lot of it, and he's mentioned this before, it's in his head. He just needs to settle down and catch the ball. And if he does, that guy could be an absolute monster. His size, his speed, his agility, if he can just catch the ball. And so what I'm going to be watching, and I mean, last week he did himself no favors. He caught, uh, I think, two balls, both of which he juggled. Uh, he dropped a very easy touchdown pass that was on fourth down, and the offense got bailed out because of a holding call uh, that he just didn't extend his arms for, and there was no one coming at him. Uh, I mean, and he showed this issue last year as well. I'm looking to see, first of all, who's he running with? Are they going to have him running with the ones, or is he on backup duty? And when he does, how does he look? Is he looking in the ball? Is he, is he really going to go catch that running with the ones? Listen, man, I don't know because what you—I mean, what you're doing is you're you're evaluating, right? And so if you, they've kind of got this thought as to well, how's he going to look here and here, it's not like they're running out the same receivers for the entire first quarter. Like he may get—he's not going to get all of the snaps. He'll probably get some snaps. How does it look when they do that? Who's is Rogers or Kaiser or whoever they're looking his way? And how does he look? Because I mean, I, I I I see him as a prospect to dream on, and if he can catch, which again you can learn how to catch, uh, could be a huge receiver. But based on some of these receivers, I mean, you know, uh, been talked all, all offseason about Kumaro, and now you got Darius Shepard kind of entering the conversation. It's going to be very, very hard to crack that wide receiver room if he doesn't start showing something soon, I think. So uh, I just I just want to see something from Jamon Moore, man. I just want to see him catch balls cleanly and not juggle and not drop yeah, I was gonna anything. Say, That's his, what I'm like his, his touchdown that he caught, too, was that was juggled, right? Well, and he like had another was, one as well. That was like an out route at the sideline that he bobbled. I think he had two catches and none of them were clean. And at, I think, I, yeah. maybe two drops. He had at least a touchdown. I feel like he had another drop in there as well. He's getting open. He's getting open. I just need he to just see him actually catch. catch the ball. And it's been like you, you keep saying like you can teach catching. Like it's been over a year. Feels like he hasn't learned much, right? Which is what I'm saying. Like, so I mean, he I think he needs to show something in this game or the next game, or that wide receiver room that's looked crowded. He probably doesn't have a spot in, so he needs to start showing that. If he hasn't shown it already, it's possible that he's not going to. But he need, if he doesn't show up this week, like I, I think it's pretty pretty much dead. But I'm keeping a very very close eye on him. All right, so you guys both want offense. I'm gonna switch to the other side of the ball. I I'm just gonna be watching some defense, like. We talked about this uh, before the show, and this is something that all three of us are excited to go see is Zadarius Smith. Mm-hmm. The guy talked about this last week, hoping he would get a few snaps in. They didn't play him. Um, but seeing him go against the number ones, throw Rashawn Gary out there, Preston Smith. But, I mean, Zadarius has been getting rave reviews about being a bad, bad dude and be, from what we've heard, being worth that money that he was given. So, I want to see it. I want to see him in action on the field, getting to the quarterback. I mean, I know Lamar Jackson's a quick dude, so that'll be quite the test for them. And I don't actually, I don't even know if he's playing. So fun part about the preseason. <laughs> we don't even know if he's going to be playing, but it's just, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that kind of go down and see some of the guys start to make some plays. Like we didn't, 
we didn't really see the Packers play last week at all. Mm -hmm. We saw a bunch of dudes that might get to the practice squad or might be on the bottom of the 53. So I'm excited to see the Packers play some defense uh, with some of these new toys they've got. And um, I think it's going to be fun. Like This is an exciting time of year. We can actually see kind of what we've been talking about for the last like five, six months. So, yeah, I mean, talk about game time. I mean, Sarah, you kind of talked about it already. Alafleur, kind of, there's a there's a difference to this season just because of the way he's running things and the way he sounds and all of that stuff. I mean, when's the last time we saw Rodgers possibly play a quarter in the second preseason game? It seems like he gets three three series in the third preseason game, and that's about it. So the fact that like the ones are coming out in the second preseason game for possibly a whole quarter. Uh, that 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 seems like a pretty big shift as well. So, and, and I think it's needed. It is necessary. Oh, for sure. They um, need. I mean, they need the the live reps against. You know, it's all great when it's in shorts and pads, or you know, you can actually hit each other for one practice a year and stuff like that. That's great. But you need those live reps in a new offense to work out some of those kinks. So, I think it's a great thing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. And especially with the Bears being Week One, like you have no time to waste. Division game rival. Primetime, first game of the NFL season, or that's just huge. You have to be ready to go right out of the gate. Bit bigger now and more important than ever before. So giving them that time tomorrow is going to be huge, and it's hopefully going to show us a lot of positives that we may see week one as well. All right, your guys' favorite time of the uh, the podcast. What's your score? Oh, I forgot, man. Um, uh, Packers 27-21. No, that's what I was going to say. Oh, I have to change it now. Um, I will go. I'll go Packers 34-21. Yeah, I will, uh, to keep tradition alive, I will take the Ravens because I think the Packers will do well quarter one, but then kind of, you know, backups and third strings and fourth strings will, you know, affect the game a little bit more. So I'll go Ravens 24, Packers 20. Should be good. I think. I think during the regular season, we need gonna put to, money down on that right now, real quick. To, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go put down a hundred bucks on that. Uh, see, that would put me right. That would put me right on. No, I can't do twenty four twenty because that would get. Nope. Uh, no, can't do that. Uh, twenty seven twenty. There we go. There you go, Steve. That, that, uh, that go. works within the uh, the point <laughs> differential. Yeah, I'm good there. Twenty seven twenty. But I think we should start for the for the regular season. We can start keeping track, and there should be something for the loser at the end of the year for the predicting the Packer games. I like it. I'm yeah. in. Okay. Oh, cool. Wait, so, so we're not not including preseason. You said no, not including okay. preseason. We'll start week one with the with the with the Bears game. This is just this is just for fun because you always forget to actually do it. So then you get flustered, and it makes me laugh. Awesome. Thanks, mm-hmm. Steve. Mm-hmm. Good host. Good yeah. host. I make you look smart a lot by setting you up with good questions. Every once in a while, I got to take you down a peg. But then you talk about how you always feel terrible for making me look smart, which I feel like I feel like goes against the spirit of the thing. You still get to look really smart. <laughs> Let's be honest. Sarah Sarah really, really, really fe- smart. I don't know. If Sarah really and I don't have that feature in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right, so let's end on a little bit of a fun note. Aaron Rodgers is uh, once again in the beer conversation, but this time uh, I'm completely on board with them. The, they've been talking about how to make Lambeau Field louder and th- ideas of what to do. And so he came out and said, you know, I'm up for anything that's got the fans as loud as possible. Maybe slash some beer prices or something would be a good idea. Like, 
Right now, from what I saw, it's eight twenty-five for a sixteen-ounce can of Miller Lite, Coors Light, whatever they've got there, and then a premium beer is going to be even more. So slashing prices in half or lowering the beer prices. What are your uh, your gut reactions to Aaron Rodgers wanting to control the uh, pricing at Lambeau Field? Steve, first of all, I don't think a guy that can't chug a beer should talk about beer <laughs> cost of beer. I just, you know, I just don't think that's right. Uh, what voice is that? I don't know. Um, dumb guy? Yeah, just, okay. a, just a generic dumb guy, I guess. Okay. I like. It. I was just curious. Was that okay? No, I didn't know if you had like a specific person in mind for it. And if you say me, I'm gonna punch you through. No, the <laughs> that's that's roughly the voice my sister uses every time uh, she tries to sound like a man. And so now I now equate that with just dumb, generic, dumb man voice. So I think that's okay. where I picked that up from. Um, I'm all in Your favor. Your bro of, voice. That's my bro voice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get my backwards hat. Uh, I'm all in favor of slashing beer prices because that's preposterous. It's absolutely preposterous. I also, uh, I like the idea. I like that he's trying to think of like unconventional ways. Um, also, having been to games at Lambo, all that's going to happen is the people that drink anyway are just going to drink the same or get slightly more drunk and then it's just going to lead to uh, everyone else getting pissed at those people um, which I guess might make it louder fights make things louder right I I like the idea of cheaper alcohol I just I feel like maybe this isn't quite the answer but also cheaper alcohol is good so I like the thinking slash the beer prices it can't hurt Sarah? Yeah I don't really I don't I have, have much alcohol to say <laughs> About this. I mean, I thought it was funny. Like, when I watched the video, I definitely laughed at it and just his unconventional way of thinking about that. But, I mean, like you guys said, it it really can't hurt. People will be happy. More people might buy beer. I think in the end, thinking from, like, a logistics standpoint, more beer would be purchased. So there could be more money that is given to the concession stand because more beers would be purchased because they wouldn't be as expensive. So I don't know. I mean, it could end up being a good thing whether it happens. I don't really care or not. Sorry, but, um, but I thought it was a fun comment and an interesting take that he had for sure. I, I mean, this, this is something that can, can really set me off just because I think all these stadiums, all these things, they, they just take full advantage and of people and, their love of sports and their love of going to games and stuff. Because, like, I was at the Brewers game last night. I went and I bought two Blue Moon draft beers that were like 16 ounces for me and my dad. Would you guys like to take a guess at how much of that I had to pay for that? Uh, two? Uh, two of them, yeah. Let's say $19. Yeah, I was going to say 20 $21. Gracious. For two beers. Like I could get a, like more than like a like a twelve pack and a six pack for that. Like it's just it, it really gets to me that 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 they just take full advantage of that. Like a soda is five dollars, a hot dog is five dollars. Like yeah, it's just getting ridiculous to this point. Like this is my old man ranting, but like the the guy who does it, Arthur Blank does it down in Atlanta. I think that's the way you do it. Yeah, I think you respect the people that are coming and paying for all the stuff and paying extra for all their their gear and all that kind of stuff and say, you know what? You, you came to the game five bucks for a beer, $3 for a soda, $2 for a hot dog, $4 for a hamburger. Like that's the way you treat your, your fans and things like that. It's not to continually rise on cans of beer, like $8 for a can of beer is just ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I live in Florida. So with theme parks and everything, like it's insane 
some of the prices, like it's $8 for a bottle of water or something mm-hmm. like that. And that's just the same thing. It's, you know, these people are coming, whether it's, you know, an arena, a stadium, whatever it is, or a theme park, they're coming to support that cause because they're passionate about it. They are coming to have a good time. So when you have to pay that much money for a simple necessity like water or food or something, it's, it's kind of ridiculous how pricey it can get. Yeah. We, we went up for the uh, Falcons game last year and get Lambo for the Packers Falcons and they had uh, hot cocoa with Bailey's in it, which was awesome. Oh, and yeah, it was yeah. like 12 bucks. Mm-hmm. It was really good. But that's... I will tell. I, I will give you a a Packers uh, cheat code for drinking while there is get the hot chocolate, but you smuggle in a um, a plastic flask that has peppermint schnapps in it. That's... Dump some peppermint schnapps in a hot chocolate. Okay, Whew. you're you feeling a, you uh, got a stew going. All right, yeah, right. you, you're doing all right. I had that during the uh, that Forty ers playoff game when it was like minus twenty. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And by the time by the end of the game, I was drinking straight from the flask. So <laughs> I assumed as much. Yeah, exactly. They lost. I had to. I had to drown my sorrows in that. So, <laughs> all right. So, yes, good thing I would say cut some beer prices. I don't think it's gonna make that many people drink much more because let's let's be honest. We've all been to Lambo and people are freaking stupid and drink when it costs ten dollars <laughs> for a beer anyway so i don't think slashing them everybody's going to be just jumping for joy and saying well no i gotta drink 12 beers here no it's, <laughs> they're just happy that they're paying a little bit less they'll still drink the same amount of beers that they would before the game during the game and after the game um so if they can do it and it helps make lambo a little louder i'd be all about it end of old man rant okay <laughs> so uh closing thoughts you guys got anything for me i got one I got one. So earlier this week, or late last week, I don't remember when it was. It was after the game last week. Uh, so this is an idea I've been thinking about for a while. And I was talking to my little brother when we were watching the game. Hey, hey, buddy. How are you? So I'm glad you're listening. Um, and the <laughs> thought... Was it birthday last week, or was that two weeks ago? Uh, it was his birthday two weeks ago. Um, yeah, same brother. Happy and, belated um, birthday. Yeah, happy belated birthday, buddy. Um, so the, the, the thing I've been kicking around, and we were kind of talking about a little bit, was... Uh, I don't love the idea of having Kumaro and Allison on the 53 because, and I don't want to get into the whole thing, but basically the, the, they profile as the same kind of receiver. They're, they're limited ceiling, basically possession guys. And with some of the, some of the potential talent that they have as the wide receiver room, I don't want to waste two get two spots on essentially the same guy. Um, I, I got, I got a lot of people apparently don't like me anymore. I think um, I put that out there, and I got a lot of lot of hate for that. Uh, I didn't even say which way I was leaning, one way or another. Uh, but people like both those guys, and so there was hate on both sides. It was a good few days for old Dusty. Um, since then, uh, Peter Bukowski over at Lockdown Packers talked about this, and yesterday on this podcast, Jacob Westendorf talked about this as well, both endorsing the idea. So I just want to say, you're welcome. You're welcome for starting this trend and putting were this they, idea out there. Were they leaning either way on which, which guy they wanted to keep? Uh, you know, I actually hadn't gotten done listening to the uh, to Bukowski's yet. I don't believe Westendorf really said one way or the other. It was just kind of the same idea that it was this. Um, they both profiles the same guy. And there's no reason to keep both those guys. And and I the the thing I'd heard against it that the people brought up against it was. Well, if one guy gets hurt, you got another guy just like him on the bench. Like that's a that's a dumb way to do things. That's a dumb way to do things if you're dealing with a limited athlete, I believe. Because say Jake Kumaro, let's say Jake Kumaro is on the bench and Allison's your third or fourth guy or something, and Allison gets hurt and Kumaro steps up. Well, 
like Kumuro can do the things Allison does, but like St. Brown can do the things Allison does as well, but Kumuro can't do the things that St. Brown does. And so you get this, like, you just have this limited ceiling guy, and I don't love keeping two of those guys around. And that seems to be the general consensus. I don't know that people are leaning one way or another on it, but um, the people Which that are in so support. To, to, to fully announce who you, if you were given mm-hmm. the option, you only get to keep one. Are you keeping Gmo or are you keeping Kumaro? It's a shock to anyone uh, who I think I've I've talked to, uh, just because this is goes I think against what I normally say or what I, I I'm not a big believer in the Kumaro hype. Um, I kind of I'm kind of leaning Kumaro. I know Gmo was kind of having uh, like a decent season before he went down, and he kind of had the rapport with Rogers, but. It's a different system. I think both guys are on equal footing. And the thing I've never liked about Allison, and given the fact I just talked about Jamon Moore uh, earlier this this week <laughs> or this this episode, I get how this is going to sound. Uh, but like Geronimo, his his ceiling, Geronimo's ceiling is a possession receiver, and I don't love his hands for a possession receiver. And I trust Jamon Moore, like a 22, 23-year-old uh, draft pick over Geronimo Allison, who's a soon-to-be, I think, 27-year-old undrafted free agent to catch. And again, Jamon Moore's upside is such to where, like, if he does drop some of his balls, that's fine. Geronimo Allison, like, you don't want him to drop anything. In his three years in the league, um, I think he's dropped at least three balls. Last year, he had to play, like, five games and he dropped three balls. He had, like, over a 10% drop rate. Each of his years in the league, which is not good for a guy whose ceiling is possession receiver. I don't like that. I want sure hands out of possession receiver. Uh, and Kumaro just seems like he doesn't drop stuff. He seems like a more natural, natural catcher. Uh, so I, either way, like I'm leaning Kumaro. If they drop Kumaro and go Allison, I don't really care. That's fine. I just don't want both of them. That's my main thing. I do not want both those guys. Just to point out your contradictoriness. Um, mm. So Allison had, you said, like a 10% drop rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamon Moore's drop rate was 70%. Which, again... I'm I, just kidding. I made that number up. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think it's I think it's 50. I think it's probably closer to 50, Steve. It's like, I just... I don't understand it. Like, because... Like, he can't catch the ball. He's proven he's not able to catch the ball. And you want to go with him over somebody who has actually, like, done it in the league. Like, I get it. It's like... Gmo's got some drop issues as well, not not to the extent of Jamon Moore, but like as a possession receiver. Again, ceiling is possession receiver. If Jamon Moore learns to catch and he has a ten percent drop rate, but when he hits, he hits big. He's a legitimate big play receiver. And even when, when he's when out there, he, when does he hit? I'm saying if he does, if he does, and he's got like a ten to fifteen percent drop rate, but when he's out there, he still takes the top off of defense. Gmo doesn't give you any of that. You're counting on him to be your guy. Like, if you're a possession receiver, play in, play out. You've got to catch that ball. And if Gmo like is having a hard time doing that, he doesn't bring a whole lot of other things. Whereas, even if you've got some drops and more, I mean, again, not where he currently is, but if he cleans it up and he still does have some drops, he can still do other things for the offense that Allison simply cannot do. So that's why I kind of I'm not even giving a pass to more. I just I, I hope he can catch the ball. I don't think Allison is going to get to that point. Even if he does, like I don't think he cleans it up to where he's he's better than a ten percent drop guy. And he's a possession guy, and he needs to be like a zero percent drop guy. Like, I don't know, like Jay Kumaro, like Jay Kumaro, who probably hasn't dropped a pass in his NFL career because he's got like you know seven targets or something. I forget who it was. I was listening to the radio. And one of the one of the guys that was has been at training camp says he has not seen Kumaro drop a pass yet. Oh, when you watch him, just that preseason game, he had those two catches over the middle. 
just pluck that sucker out of the air. Just sure mm-hmm. hands. And that's mm-hmm. and that's the report. So again, leaning Kumaro. Okay. I don't care either way. Just don't have both of them, please. <laughs> Sarah, any closing thoughts for you? No, I actually don't have any. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was an interesting voice influx. I like it. That was her making fun of my dumb guy voice, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you literally have nothing. All right, cool. I uh, don't. After Dusty kind of went on his rant about that, I don't really know what I could say that could add anything else or top that. And I kind of want to have that be the last thing that our listeners hear because then they can go and make the ratio on Dusty's post even crazier than it already is. So it'll be fresh on their minds. Thanks, Sarah. Well, to be fair, though, he's now saying that he would take Kumaro. And a lot of those people, you know, we all, you know, that as a Green Bay Packer fan, we all love our white wide receivers. So uh, I I think they were attacking the fact that, that, uh, Dusty didn't want to have Jake Kumaro on the team. I actually got equal hate on both sides. I had some people assume that I was talking about getting rid of Allison, and other people assume I was talking about getting rid of Kumaro before I even said anything about either of those guys, like going one way or the other. And I think it was was about split down the middle. It was equal hate uh, regardless of who I went with, which is... I kind of like that. It's fun. If you're getting ratioed, you might as well get it from both ends of the uh, (laughs) Twitter world. I like that. It made the ratio worse. Good job, Packers uh, fan. Because I had everyone jumping in. Yeah. yeah, Pretty pretty happy with the result, actually. Mm -hmm. All Mm -hmm. things considered. So, ending note that we will have is an exciting note for us. Next week, we will be joined by a special guest. We are going to have Matt Schneidman of The Athletic, who covers the Packers for them. Uh, just joined up with them for this season, so we're kind of excited to pick his brain, see what he is thinking about this year's Packers squad, and um, yeah, kind of go from there. So we're excited. We're going to just talk to him about what's been going on in training camp, the upcoming uh, preseason game that we'll be previewing again for a third week in a row, have a preview of a game. I like it. Crazy. The so, Canada yeah. game. The Canadian game. I mean, <laughs> When you have when you have, when your money's called the loony, how can you respect that country? Like I don't get it. I don't. No, no. But yeah, so it'll be exciting time. Exciting time. We'll have Matt on. We'll we'll talk some Packers football. We'll talk some preseason. We'll talk training camp, and we'll uh, we'll get into it. So, guys, it's been fun. We will catch you next week. And uh, thank you for listening. Make sure to follow everybody on Twitter. We've got at Dusty Evely, at Sarah Kelleher four, at Steve Perhatch, and as always at Packaday Podcast. So keep uh, throwing us all some – keep ratioing Dusty this week, please. We, <laughs> we, we really want to see that that number continue to grow. So at Dusty Evely, give him your wide receiver your, your wide receiver talk, and uh, I'm sure he'll be able to uh, go back and forth with you. But that should end the show for us. So we'll catch you next week. And as always, go Pack Go.